بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما لسيدنا الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد. This is session number 99 in our series Islam's Greatest Personalities and part 48 in the Seerah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Today's discussion insha'Allah is going to be regarding the origin of Adhan. So we spoke about the establishment of Masjid al-Nabawi in detail. Um, the last two sessions we spoke specifically about the member of the Prophet and we also spoke about the Asa as well. So now we're going to speak about the Adhan because that's one of the first things you do in the Masjid. Once the Masjid has been established, one of the first things we do even before the Salah is the Adhan. Now, collective worship, so understand this, collective worship always takes preference over individual worship. Collective worship takes preference over individual worship. Not just in Islam, I think in other religions as well, but our concern is Islam. But I'm assuming in other religions as well, collective worship has much more importance, much more significance. And by the way, Islam is a, is a collective religion. It's a communal, let's call it a communal religion. It's a community-based religion. You can't practice Islam alone. If you look at all of the five pillars, for example, the, the community-based, Salah, for example, it's a community thing, isn't it? Right? Yeah, you can do it alone, but that's not the preferred way of doing it. That's as a one-off. But generally, if you've got community, fasting as well, you've got iftar and people fasting together. Ramadan, you've seen the spirit of Ramadan. It's the Ramadan isn't something that's done alone. When we think of Ramadan, you think of community, don't you? Right? Zakat. Again, the, poor, the rich people give it to your poor people. It's not given out. The Prophet wasallam says, take it from the rich of those rich people and give it to their poor people. Okay, so that again, within the community, what's happening is the rich are looking after the poor of the community. And Hajj, subhanAllah. Look at the community and how people, the police, the global community. One is our community here, but then the global community comes together. So Islam is a communal religion. This is something we have to understand. Community plays a huge part in our deen. Nowadays, we're going towards individualism. Me, myself and I, I want to actualize my true self, my real, who am I? I want to, you know, all of this talk, airy-fairy talk, which sounds very good, but the underlying principles and the philosophy is anti-Islam. Islam is a communal religion. And even now, I mean, on a, on a more simplistic way, as people start moving out of the areas, okay, before it was always wanting to be close to a masjid. And then obviously communities grow, there's issues that happen, you want to move out. But those people who move out and they've gone so far away where the masjid's too far now, what happens? You, you cut off. There's no, no harm in being away as long as you're still connected. And everyone's different. For you, 10 minutes might be okay. But for you, 10 minutes is too long. It depends. For some people, 45 minutes, they live 45 minutes away, but they're still connected to the community. It, it, it depends. 
so it doesn't really matter, but what's happening now, there's this drive of just being alone, being yourself. And you know, yeah, if the company is bad, then yes, being alone is, is better than being in bad company. But being in good company is better than being alone. And that's something that's needed. Because shaitan will attack a person when they're alone. And the Prophet ﷺ gave the idea of the sheep. That if, if the flock is together, then shaitan, the, the wolf doesn't attack. The one that goes stray, man shadda shudda binnaw, the Prophet ﷺ. Whoever cuts away and tries to be alone, then they will carry on like this. And the danger is they could fall into Jahannam. Because when you're alone, you're much more prone to fitna, much more prone to the attack of shaitan and the nafs. Whereas when you're with community, what happens is someone's going to point something. You might not like it. We don't like it when somebody points something out. But what's going to happen is because of being in community, someone might point something out. Oh, this is not right. This is not right. And we don't like it, but that's the benefit of it. And even if somebody doesn't say anything, social pressure is a healthy thing in a way. Because had it not been for social pressure, many of us would have been doing X, Y, and Z. A lot of times we don't do wrong things because we think, oh, what people didn't say, or if people find out, or the, you know, people see I go to the masjid, I can't be going here or doing this. So it's got healthy things as well. I know we shouldn't be doing things for the sake of people, but this is just real life. It's real life. So there's a lot of benefits of being within the community. So collective worship always takes preference over individual worship. Salah is a collective worship. Salah is a collective worship, isn't it? Yeah. Salah, the five-time Salah, originally is a collective worship. Here you have individual Salah. But when we talk about Salah, the main, what does it mean? When we speak about Salah, we're talking about the five-time Salah. And that is a collective worship. Let's keep that in mind. That's where we start from. Salah is a collective worship. And calling people for that Salah is what we're going to be speaking about. Calling people um, in previous religions, there were different ways of calling people to Salah. And we're going to look at Islam and how it came about. So once Salah became obligatory, so Salah was obligatory from the beginning, as we know. Uh, but then five times Salah became obligatory when? In Miraj. So before that Salah was obligatory, people were praying two times a day. Then in Miraj it became five times a day. And remember, whilst they were still in Makkah, it was only two Turaqat. Turaqat of Fajr, Turaqat of Dhuhr, Turaqat of Asr. Three rakat of Maghrib, two rakat of Isha. And when they came to Medina, the Dhuhr, Asr, Isha became four rakat. So this is a slight change. So in the beginning was just two rakats twice a day. Then you had Isra and Mi'raj about one year before migration. And there you had five times Salah, but only two, two rakat, except for Maghrib. And then after migration, we have the Salah as we have now. That's one stage of changes in the Salah. Similarly, Adhan has gone through three stages as well. When I say Adhan, I mean calling to prayer. I don't mean the Adhan itself, but calling people to prayer. We'll speak about that when we get to it, hopefully. Um, so the selective and prescribed method for calling people to Salah is called Adhan. Alif, Lal, Alif, Noon, Adhan. Now, it comes from Adhana. And in Arabic, the ear is called Udhun. 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 Those who know Arabic, same letters. Alif, Dal, Nun. Udhun. So ear is Udhun. Two ears is Udhunayn. So Udhun is ear. Adhan comes from this word Adhana. 
and what it actually means is to listen attentively to listen very attentively there is a there is a hadith where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says uh, allah does not listen attentively to anything more than he listens attentively to one of his prophets performing salah or calling unto him um, so Allah, he, he, the Prophet وسلم, uses these three letters there as well Alif, Dal, and Noon. And the, the formation of the letters Azzala, Yu'adhinu, Ta'deenan. Azzala, Yu'adhinu, Ta'deenan means to inform regarding the prayer. To inform regarding the prayer. Shaykh al Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, he says it comes from Azzala, Yu'adhinu, Ta'deenan to make such an announcement that can be heard with the ears. That's what he means. Adhan means to make such an announcement that people can hear it. So a very important thing about Adhan we hear is what? People should be able to hear it. So if someone's doing it very quietly, we won't call that Adhan. Adhan is people should be able to hear it. Another word for Adhan in Arabic, which appears in the Hadith and also in the Quran is Nida. Nida. You've heard that before? Nida, no? So in the Quran we have Nida. Nida means to call somebody. Uh, and if Nida means to raise the voice. That's what Nida means. Nida means to raise the voice. And uh, it's used for Adhan as well. It's used for Adhan. Uh, and you'll see uh, in the narrations and also in the Hadith and the Quranic verses as well. In the Quran we have some examples of this word being used. For example, Where does that come? Surah Yusuf. Surah Yusuf, when Yusuf places the goblet inside Binyamin's rucksack and they're going, and then they realize that the king's goblet is missing. And then somebody announces, Then the announcer announced, You lot are thieves. You've stolen something. He said, no, we've not stolen anything. And they checked the bag and it was in there. So, Adhana Mu'adhinun. The Mu'adhin made the Adhan, meaning the announcer announced. This is in the Quran. Bara'atun min Allahi wa Rasooli. Obey that. Wa adhanun min Allahi wa Rasooli. This is an announcement from Allah and His Rasool. This is a declaration from Allah and His Rasool. Ibrahim alayhi salam, after he built the Kaaba, Allah told him, Wa adhin fin nasi bil hajj. Ibrahim now make the adhan, meaning make the announcement for Hajj, call people to the Hajj. So these are some verses of the Quran that use the same letters to show it means an announcement. In the Sharia, adhan means to use specific words at a specific time to call Muslims for Salah. This is what in Sharia adhan means, using specific words at specific times to call Muslims for prayer. This is the definition of adhan. Imam al-Qurtubi he gives a synopsis of the Adhan and he says that Adhan is a very concise yet comprehensive meaningful uh, way of uh, portraying the creedal concept of Islam. You know our creed, our Iman, our Aqa'id, our beliefs. He says all of them are encapsulated within the Adhan in a very beautiful way. I'll tell you what he says. He says that the Adhan begins with Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. He says Adhan begins with the greatness of Allah, which shows that Allah's existence and power. So first of all, the first thing that the Adhan establishes is the existence of Allah and the power of Allah. This is Allahu Akbar, 
Allahu Akbar four times it comes. What's the second thing? Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. He says this proves Tawheed that there is only one Allah, and also it negates shirk that there is no such thing as partners or anyone equal to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in Himself or in His attributes. Then what do we have number three? Ashhadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Establishing prophethood and messengership for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam—a very important part of our faith—to believe the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's messengership and to believe him as a Rasul. Then, Hayya ala salah. Hayya ala salah is also a very important part of our creed. Following who? Following who? The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ittiba'u sunnah to follow the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in everything. Especially in terms of ibadah, and over here it's salah. So hayya ala salah is calling people to the ibadah and following the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and worshiping in the way he did. This is hayya ala salah. Then hayya ala falah. What does falah mean? Success. Where's true success? Where will true success be? Hmm? Sorry, I, I, there's too many people trying to say something. So. In the hereafter, yes. The true success is going to be in the hereafter. The true success is so. Hayyal al falah encapsulate belief in akhirah, which is a very creedal, very foundational belief for us. Without that, you can't be a Muslim. So Hayyal al falah is calling people to believe in the akhirah, meaning the real success, the ultimate success. And then again, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah. This is repeated now for emphasis. To show that beginning, in the middle, in the end, always remember you cannot take Allah out of the equation. Whatever you do, wherever you go, Allah must be part of everything you do. La ilaha illallah. Again, tawheed, establishing tawheed and negating shirk. So the purpose of the adhan is to inform regarding the time of salah and salah with jama'ah. Salah with jama'ah is a symbol of Allah. Just like we've been speaking about the Sha'a'ir. There are some things which are known as Sha'a'irullah, Allah's Sha'a'ir, Allah's symbols. For example, Ka'ba is one of Allah's Sha'a'ir. Maqam Ibrahim, Zamzam, the mountain of Inna Safa wal Marwata min Sha'a'irillah. Similarly, Masjid al Nabawi, Masjid al Aqsa, all of the masjids. Adhan is one of Allah's Sha'a'ir. The Salat with Jama'ah is one of Allah's Sha'ah. It's a huge thing when people get together and pray Salat. To us, it's normal because we see all the time. Anywhere you see a group of people praying together, this is a huge one of Allah's great symbols to prove the existence of Allah, to prove the Tawheed of Allah. It's a very sacred thing. And our duty as Muslims is to defend and honor and maintain. These are things we have to maintain. We have to maintain them. Zamzam is one of Allah's sha'ir. The Quran is a sha'ir of Allah, a symbol of Allah on earth. So the five times salah is a sha'ir. And the adhan is also one of Allah's sha'ir. So one sha'ir is being established for the other one. Um, and we have to protect both of them. Now, Imam al-Qurtubi rahmatullahi and Hafiz al-Muhajar al-Asqalani rahmatullahi very beautifully mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained a call to prayer for Muslims in such a manner that anyone, anywhere can call the prayer. 
to control the call to prayer. That you don't need anything. Do you need anything? You don't need anything. It's so simple, it's so easy, yet so effective. No other religion has had. Even the heavenly religions of the past, they have not had something as unique as the Adhan. As simple as it is, it's very natural from the fitrah. So simple, yet so effective and powerful. And you can do it like wherever you are, you can call the Adhan. You could be in the middle of a desert. You don't need anything. You don't need any apparatus. You don't need any items. You don't need any material. You don't need to raise anything. You don't need to shake anything. You don't need to press anything. N nothing. No items required. It's so easy. Like when the Prophet ﷺ emphasized the use of the miswak, right? He emphasized it so much. And then at one time he said, I wanted to make this farah a part of the salah, meaning at the time of salah, everyone has to do it. But he says, ala ummati. If it wasn't for it becoming difficult for my ummah, I would have made it come. But he knew that even though we're human beings, he knew this. So he was compassionate, he was considerate. This is why how he thought about us. That hadith wasn't about him, it was about you. How considerate he was towards you, knowing that there'll be times not intentionally, even unintentionally, that you might leave your miswak, you might lose it, you might drop it, someone might steal it. What are you going to do then? So that pain that you would have gone through, he felt it. He felt it. Azizun alayhi ma'anittum Qur'an says, Harisun alaykum bil mu'mineena ra'ufun rahim. This is our Nabi, our Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Qur'an says that a Rasul has come to you, Azizun alayhi ma'anittum. If anything would have caused you pain, it pained him more. He felt it. And thus, we don't know in here the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ was leading the salah and he would hear a baby crying and he would shorten the salah quickly. Why? Because he's thinking the mother, she she's going to be frustrated in the salah. She will be restless in the salah, thinking something could have happened to my baby. So he would shorten the salah, quickly finish it. Why? Just so that mother could be united with the child. So Azizun alayhi ma'alikum, this is the whole topic in itself, how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was, so even the adhan itself, the adhan itself comes from this, that it's so simple, anybody can do it, anywhere. You won't feel deprived, oh no, we can't carry this out because X, Y or Z, absolutely anywhere. The words are so simple, everybody knows it and it's very easy to carry out. As opposed to the other methods that were, that are still there now and they were there in the previous religions for example blowing a horn or a trumpet now blowing a horn or a trumpet not everybody can be good at blowing a horn or a trumpet if you've ever tried it um when you were at school or something i'm sure you don't do it now but you know if you had like recorder lessons or a trumpet i remember having one in primary school that one. and it's, it's not easy to blow you need to know how to do it you need a lot of energy and you need to know exactly what to do and how to do it. And if it comes out all funny then, who's going to come and answer your call to prayer? Nobody's going to come, you're going to be responsible for it. Similarly, ringing the bells. It's not the school bell like the, the dinner ladies do. This is, you've seen the bells in the church, okay? And how you have to pull on it. You need to put a lot of energy and effort into that. How would you do that everywhere you go? I mean, your, your ibadah would be very restricted to certain places only. Like, just like Sunday worship only because on a certain day, there's too many formalities. Whereas you could pray absolutely anywhere in the middle of the jungle and call out the Adhan and have the Salah um, and with any other methods that were there in the past as well. 
So Islam has maintained a very natural, very easy manner of calling to salah, yet so effective. Like, don't we really enjoy listening to different adhans? Right, had it been a ballad, just be the same sound, ding, 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 like, same sound. Um, if it was a, a trumpet or something, it'd be the same kind of sound. If it's just the raising of a flag, you just look at it. Adhan, and it's the words of Imam, the praising, and just now that I've gone through the synopsis of the Adhan, and if you listen to it in that way, you're refreshing your Iman every time you hear the Adhan as well. Now, Adhan is very important. Adhan has been established through the Quranic text and the Hadith text, not just through the dream. Yes, we're going to speak about a story about a dream. And some people have said, oh, Adhan just comes from a dream. No, there are verses in the Quran that speak about Adhan. In the Sunnah, Adhan has been mentioned. Let me give you some verses. Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا نَادَيْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ إِتَّفَدُوهَا هُزُوًا وَلَيْهِبًا Quran says when they are called for salah, meaning when the adhan of salah is done, they make it into a mockery and a joke. They used to clap, they used to whistle. Uh, this is the mushrikeen and the people that didn't want to pray. Surat Al-Jumu'ah, we hear, إِذَا نُودِيَ لِلصَّلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمُعَةِ When the adhan, nida, I told you. When the nida, meaning when the adhan is called out for the day of Jumu'ah. So this is also in the Quran, two places. Sahih al-Bukhari, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the narration of Malik ibn Khuwairith, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told him, they were going out on a journey, just two of them, they were going to be all alone. فَإِذَا حَذَرَتِ الصَّلَاةِ فَلْيُؤَذِّنْ لَكُمْ أَحَدُكُمْ وَلْيَأُمْدُكُمْ أَكْبَرُكُمْ When the time for salah comes, one of you should give the adhan, and the Akbar amongst you should be the Imam. Akbar could be the oldest in age, or it could be the greatest in knowledge, depending what the meaning was. But he said over here, that even if there's two people, one of you give the Adhan, and then the other person do the Imam. <clears throat> so the verses of the Quran, the two that we've just mentioned now, indicate that Adhan was established in Medina Munawwar. Now Salah is established in Mecca after Israel and Mi'raj, five times Salah. So there's three stages of Salah. One is from the beginning of Nubuwa, beginning of Nubuwa from the cave of Hira. Next, Wahi was, Ya ayyuhal muzzammil qum illayla illa qalila. Ya ayyuhal muddathir qum fa'andir wa rabbaka fa'kabbir. So we know Sahaba used to pray two times a day. So that's one stage of Salah. Second stage of Salah after Israel wal Mi'raj. One year, one and a half years before migration, five times Salah becomes obligatory. And the third stage is after coming to Medina Munawwara. Dhuhr, Asr and Isha becomes four rakat. In Mecca, it was only two rakat. Three stages. So. Although Salah was obligated five times Salah in Makkah to Mukarramah, Adhan doesn't come until Medina Munawwara. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Come on, guys. Hmm? No, they did openly pray. Yeah, they did openly pray. They prayed in congregation. This is not a trick question, by the way. If you're thinking about some complex answer, it's, it's just straightforward common sense. Well, either that there was another way of gathering people, what else? Hmm? What, what, what? So if Adam only came in Medina, what does that tell you? 
There wasn't a call. People prayed without the alarm. That's, that's as simple as it is. Until then, the Muslims were praying somehow without the adhan. As simple as that. It's an important fact for us to register in our seerah that they prayed without the adhan until a certain period in time. This is the first thing. Now, regarding the narrations, there are different, different, there's loads of different narrations. And a lot of them contradict each other. Some say adhan was there from Makkah. Some say that it was there from Isra'i wal Miraj, and others say it came in Medina. And there are so many narrations. So, Hafiz ibn Hajar al Asqalani, the greatest commentator on Sahih al Bukhari, he mentioned that looking at all of the various narrations, he's looked at all of these narrations because there's a lot of contradiction. Some say it came, Adan started in Makkah, some say uh, Isra'i wal Miraj, others say Medina because of these verses. So, he says, and he mentions a conclusion. He says, there's some narrations that make it seem Adhan was established prior to migration uh, when they were in Mecca. For example, Hadith of Tabarani, Salim al-Abdillah al-Abidi. This is the narration. And um, because he says in this narration, when the Prophet وسلم, went for Mi'raj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him in Mi'raj the word of the Adhan. So who's teaching the Prophet Allah directly the words of the Adhan. And when he returned, the Prophet taught the words of Adhan to Bilal. This is one narration from Tabarani. Another narration in Darqutni mentions that when Salah became obligatory, which was right in the beginning, Jibreel instructed the Prophet to call the Adhan. So the Prophet calls the Adhan, Jibreel becomes the Imam. Remember he came for two days. One day he led the Salah and the Prophet followed him and he prayed at the beginning time of every Salah. The next day he came, he led all of the Salah in that time at the end time. So the Fajr right at the end, Dhuhr right at the end, Asr right at the end, Maghrib right at the end, Isha right at the end. And then he said that the time for the Salah is between these two times. First day we prayed beginning time, the second day we pray ending time. All of this is the time for each of these salah. So now the thing is that both of these, the chain of narration for both of these, which I've mentioned now, is not very authentic. So I'm giving you a synopsis of what Hafiz ibn Hajar, looking at all of the narrations, he said. So narration one, narration two, the first one said he was taught the words in Isra'i wal Miraj. And then he came and taught Bilal radiallahu anhu. Second one says that Jibreel taught him right in the beginning when he was shown Salah for the first time. So these both changed Awi. Ibn al-Mundir says that throughout the Makkah period, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would pray without Adhan. So even though those scholars who say that he knew the Adhan from Israel wal Miraj, they say he didn't call it out. He didn't ask anybody to call it out. So throughout the whole Makkah period, Salah was performed without the Adhan. Imam Suhaili Rahmatullahi is one of the Sira scholars. He's tried very hard to reconcile between all of the narrations. Sometimes they do a lot of gymnastics to try and put everything together to make it fit right. Okay, this, 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 this. Let's, let's make it all work. So sometimes that works. I'll tell you what he's done. So he says that the wisdom of the Adhan appearing in a dream, which we're going to speak about, is that 
the Prophet ﷺ was already taught the Adhan above the seven heavens. And he says that Wahi is much more powerful than the Wahi that comes to the earth. We're familiar with the Wahi that comes to the earth in the form of Quranic verses, right? But he got this message, divine message, directly from Allah above the seven heavens. That's much more valuable than even a verse of the Quran. The verse of the Quran came down to the earth. He got this above. So you know when some people say, oh, somebody saw a dream. That was secondary. He already received the wahi from Allah directly above the seven heavens. This is what Imam Suhaili rahmatullah is mentioning. He's saying this form of speech surpassed the wahi as we know it. However, the adhan only became officiated in Medina Munawwara. And another reason why he says this is because when the, the dream was narrated, which we're going to speak about, the Prophet ﷺ, when he heard this, he responded to the dream by saying that this is a true dream, inshallah. This is, some scholars are saying, he's confirming it because he already knew about it. This is a true dream, inshallah, and Allah knows best. What is the wisdom of a non-Prophet seeing the dream? Because the Prophet ﷺ didn't see this dream himself. A Sahabi saw it. He saw the dream. So the scholars have said, Imam Suhaili Rahmatullah mentions, um, first of all, is to Allah wanted to raise the status of this individual Sahabi. Allah wanted to raise his status. So he made him see the dream of the Adhan. And secondly, Allah wanted his name to be mentioned. Allah knows best why. Maybe he mentioned the name of Allah a lot. And Allah wanted to raise his name through the Adhan. And this is why whenever we speak about Adhan, we're going to be speaking about this very unique Sahabi whose name we don't hear otherwise. We don't even hear his name. I, I don't think we hear it in anything. This is the only time we generally hear the name of this Sahabi. So before we come to the story of the Adhan, let's speak about how did the Sahaba gather for Salah uh, in Makkah? Whilst they were in Makkah, how did they gather for Salah? There is nothing clear in the narrations that tell us how they would gather for salah. Was there a way? This I'm talking about in, whilst they were in Makkah al Mukarramah. So we don't find anything. There's nothing clear. So Allah knows best. After they migrated to Medina Munawwara, there was a method of gathering. But people would gather like as and when. So whenever they felt it was a time for salah, the Prophet said, oh, come on, let's gather everybody. And like we naturally call, call people, that's how they call people. And once everyone got together, they prayed. And that's how it continued. Now you know, as Muslims increased in number, as the Sahaba increased in number, that's not always possible, is it? When we go somewhere to a small group, for example, and it's time for Salah, right? You're, you're there waiting because you've got wudu already, right? And then the next guy's gone to do wudu. Oh, I need to do wudu as well. Oh, I need to go to the toilet. What happens? Like you're waiting around. Oh, I'm going to break my wudu. Come on, let's pray. So imagine if this is within a community and if this is every day, five times a day. So they were realizing that we need to have a formal way of calling people to pray at one time. We can't just call people randomly. Uh, we've done this long enough. The number of Sahaba were increasing as well. So the Prophet wasallam, he actually gathered the Sahaba for this purpose as a consultation. He made mashwara with the Sahaba. That's amazing, right? He could have just said, right, we're going to do this from today. He said, you know, he got the people together. And he said, look, 
you know, we get together for salah and it's haphazard. We get together when we think it's the time and we call people and that's kind of not working. We need a uniform way of calling people for salah. So I want you people to think about it. What should we do? How can we gather people for salah at one time? Everybody knows. What do you guys think? What is your opinion? This is what he asked the Sahaba. So the Sahaba started thinking, they're applying their minds now, putting their heads together, thinking, what could we do? What could we do? What could we do? I know. Somebody put their hand up. I know. And the Prophet said, yes, speak. And he spoke, and the Prophet listened to him. And what did he say? He said, Oh Prophet of Allah, why don't we get this huge flag? Whenever the time for salah comes, we'll erect this flag. And people will see it from far and wide. And when they see the flag has been raised, they'll know it's time for salah. And the Prophet listened. He didn't say anything. Okay, anyone else? Anything else? So another person put their hand up and said, Yes, I would like to suggest something. Why don't we blow a horn or a trumpet? Because this makes a loud sound. We'll blow a horn or we'll blow a trumpet. The loud sound will occur and everybody around will know it's time for salah. Immediately the Prophet said, I don't like this opinion. This is not a good suggestion. He said, This is not a good suggestion. This is the way of the Yahud. This is the way of the Yahud. And we've seen now, just in the last few days, inside Masjid al Aqsa, the Yahud have gone inside Masjid al Aqsa with the shofar horn, okay, and blowing this horn. Right. This is this is one of their Talmudic rituals which are done at the beginning of the new year which is now the Hebrew new year and it, it's being done. So the Prophet immediately said no, our way has to be different. We are Muslims. Our way is Islam. So our way has to be different. So he says no, we cannot do the blowing of the horn or a trumpet. Somebody said, oh, oh Prophet of Allah, what about Nakus? Nakus is ringing of the bells. Why do we ring a bell? It's much more simple. And um, people will know that it's time for salah. And again, the Prophet says, I, I don't particularly like this opinion and this suggestion. This is the way of the Christians. The Christians have done this. We are Muslimin. We are not Christians. And then somebody said, Why don't we ignite a huge fire? When it's time for salah, people will see this fire, the flames, and they'll come for the salah. And the Prophet again, he said that this is the way of the fire worshippers. They worship the fire, they ignite the fire, and this is not our way. So, the Prophet ﷺ said, says, You know what? For now, why don't we just send somebody to call people, come for salah, come for salah. Bilal, come here, you've got a loud voice, your voice is very beautiful, your voice is very loud. Don't call people for salah. So he goes and he calls people for salah, and this is how they gathered. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala he said this statement and then after this consultation had happened the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam you could tell that he was very concerned in regards to this and the Sahaba carried this concern home they didn't forget about it they went home and they said let's think let's sleep on it let's sleep on it so after they returned home one particular Sahabi was very concerned you know sometimes you lie in bed and you can't sleep just going round and round in your head. So one Sahabi was very, very concerned regarding this matter. And the Hadith mentioned that he dreamt and he saw a dream. And in that dream, he actually saw the words of the Adhan and the manner of giving the Adhan. 
Why don't we hear it directly from the Sahabi himself in his own words? The name of the Sahabi is Abdullah ibn Zaid ibn Abdi Rabbihi. Long name. Abdullah ibn Zaid ibn Abdi Rabbihi. This is his name. And you probably won't hear his name at any other time. This is the person who saw the dream in regards to the words of the Adhan. We hear the Adhan every single day, so we should know where it originated from. Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdi Rabbi. This is the Sahabi. Radiallahu anhu. He says, when the night when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, so according to this narration, it says that they actually went ahead to ring a bell on that time because somebody suggested, for, okay, we don't have anything else. Let's use this. So a bell was rung. But the Prophet disliked it. He said, this is not our way. This is the way of the Christians and this resemblance in them. He says, that same night I went home because I was concerned. I saw the Prophet disliked the ringing of the bell. He didn't like any of the other ideas as well. That night, he says, I saw a dream. And in the dream, I saw somebody was wearing green clothes. And they were rushing from one place to another. And they were carrying this bell in their hand. So, because I was concerned about the call to the prayer, and we'd started with the bell, and the suggestion was there. Either they, so there's two opinions. Either the word of the hadith mentions, either they used the bell, or they were about to use the bell. So the Prophet ﷺ didn't approve of it. He didn't like it. Either they used it on that one occasion, or then they didn't. They were about to use it. The word comes about to use it. So in the dream, because this is on his mind, he sees this person dressed in green, carrying a bell. So he says to the person that, come here, come here. So he turns around and says, give me this bell, sell it to me. Will you sell this bell to me? I'll buy it off you. So the person in the green, he says to him, what are you going to do with it? Why do you want the bell so much? What are you going to do with it? He says, I'm going to use it to call people for salah. I'm going to use it for adhan and calling people for salah. So the person, the person in green says, shall I not show you a better way? Instead of using the, the bell, shall I not show you a better way? And then he tells him, he says to him the words of Adhan. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. Hayya ala salah, hayya ala falah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah. And then the person, the green person dressed in green, he says, Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdi Rabbi, he says in the dream, he moved back, to, back a little bit. And then he said that he, he went and sat down. And then he got up again. And he says, when the salah time comes, then you need to say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah, Hayya ala salah, hayya ala al-falah, Qad qamati salah, qad qamati salah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. So he taught him adhan, words of adhan, and the words of iqamah in this dream. Now in the morning, you can imagine how he was feeling, right? He couldn't wait, so he gets up. And he rushes to the Prophet and he relates a dream. And he says, Ya Rasulullah, we had this discussion just a while ago. I've just seen this dream. The Prophet immediately he says, insha'Allah. He says, This is a true dream, insha'Allah. So either he's saying to him, It's a true dream. Or like Imam Suhail is saying that the Prophet because he heard the words in the Mi'raj, he's referring to that. Yes, this is exactly the wahi that I received. And now Allah is making it manifest on the earth through your dream. But I already received this information. It could be either or. And then, فَقُمْ مَعَ بِلَالِ 
The Prophet ﷺ tells Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Rabbihi, I want you to stand with Bilal, stand with him. The words that you received in your dream, I want you to share them with him. Say them and he's going to repeat them. Because Bilal, you're not going to give the other. Bilal's going to give the other. Interesting. He sees the dream. So you think he should give the other? The Prophet says, Stand with Bilal. Tell him the words. Bilal is going to give the other. Now, the words are coming now. Why Bilal? Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdul Rabbi, he heard, saw the dream. He related it. So he should be the one calling the other. The Prophet says, Why Bilal? Because Bilal's voice is louder and better than yours. And this is the maqsid of Adhan. In Adhan, Adhan should be called by somebody who, number one, has a loud voice and number one, beautiful voice. Two things are required. So, Anda means either Bilal's voice is louder than yours or you could mean Bilal's voice is more melodious than yours. So, this is the hadith. Then it says, I stood with Bilal. So, Bilal radiallahu stood up, I stood next to him. So I would say to Bilal, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So Bilal radiallahu, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. This is Bilal. So he's saying, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. Bilal radiallahu is saying it aloud. So this is how Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu called the adhan for the first time upon the, the instruction of the Prophet to Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdi Rabbihi, telling him the words and sharing with him the words of the adhan. Now, Bilal radiallahu anhu is calling the alarm. He had anda sultan. Why Bilal? Because his voice was loud. Very important masala. His voice is very loud. The purpose of adhan is to call as many people. Because his voice was loud, now what's happening? People are hearing it in the houses. Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was in his house. And he starts hearing the voice of Bilal from his house. So he comes rushing from his house really quickly. When he heard the words of adhan, and the, the, the words of the hadith says, He came so fast, he was dragging his cloth. You know, they used to wear a cloth on top, a cloth on bottom. No, he hadn't even put it on properly. He was, he was dragging. He was dragging this along because he was rushing. He says, Oh, messenger of Allah. Oh, messenger of Allah. He says, Wallahi, I take the qasam of who made you a Nabi. He says, Wallahi, I saw the exact same dream last night. Who says this? Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam responded to this by saying, Falillahi alhamd. Falillahi alhamd. Basically, alhamdulillahi ala kulli al. In all conditions, we say alhamdulillah. In all conditions, we say alhamdulillah. Reported by Imam Abu Dawud in his sunnah, Imam Al-Tirmidhi in his sunnah, Imam Ahmad in his musnad. So, this is the story of Adhan, of how Adhan comes about. So Umar radiallahu anhu also saw the same dream. Now he thought, when I get up in the morning, I will go. But then Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdi Rabbi went before him. There is also a narration where Umar radiallahu anhu says that because he said it before me, I felt embarrassed, I felt a bit shy. You know, sometimes I was going to say that. And so he says, I felt a little bit embarrassed. The words are there, very clear. He didn't hide it. He was very open about how he felt. He says, I felt embarrassed that he said it before me. Now, we have the hadith of Abu Dawood. So there's three stages of Adhan as well. Three stages of Adhan. 
Um, so one is a stage in Makkah al-Mukarramah where people would just get together. And the second stage was when somebody would go out to the people and call them, call the Salah. And the third would be the proper Adhan, the words of the Adhan. These are the three, uh, because the Hadith of Abu Dawud, the Prophet really wanted Muslims to pray collectively behind one Imam. So what he did was he appointed certain people that you, 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 you. Your job is, when the time for Salah comes, I want you to go into the streets and go and call people for the Salah. So this is how it started at first. People would be sent into the streets, into the houses, and calling people for Salah. Then what he did was, he made another group of people, that not everyone's getting the, the information. So he said, okay, you five, you go on the top of the hills in the mountains and take a bell and ring the bell. So people are going in the streets, people are going on the mountain hilltops and either ringing the bells or it was about to happen. And then in that interim, this story takes place. So this is the third stage of calling people to Salah. And from then until now, we all, we have the Adhan. And the beauty of Adhan is, there was a study done that shows that 24-7, 24-7, somewhere in the world, Adhan is being called out. All the time. Constantly. When the Mu'adhins from one country start, when they finish, another, another one starts. No, when they finish, so like this, all day, all night, this is, this is Allah's name being mentioned. And we know the power of Allah's name. As long as there is one person saying Allah, Allah, Allah will keep the world intact. Okay, so don't wait for Imam Mahdi yet. Okay, there's a lot of Adhan going on, alhamdulillah. Even if you're not doing Allah, Allah, somebody else is doing it. So be focused on making the most of your life and doing as many good deeds as possible instead of trying to bring the Dajjal and Imam Mahdi quickly. We don't want them to come quickly. We want to do what we can, inshallah. So, Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdi Rabbi, he, he saw this dream. And this is another narration. So in the dream, someone was dressed in green. And so he came to the Prophet Sallallahu and described. He says, I saw this dream. There was somebody dressed in green. He came by Masjid Nabawi. I was in the dream. He came by Masjid Nabawi. He gives the Adhan. And then after giving the Adhan, he sat down. And after a while, he stood up and he gave the iqama. So, the Prophet ﷺ responded to him by saying, لَقَدْ أَرَاكَ اللَّهُ خَيْرًا Allah has shown you something very good. This is fantastic. You've seen exactly what was needed for this time. And this is from Allah. Umar who saw the same dream. However, because the Ansari said it first, he became embarrassed. Now, there's a little twist to this now. So this was Adhan, we know who, who, who saw the dream, Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdul Rabbihi, also Umar anhu, and who was told to give the Adhan, Sayyiduna Bilal radiallahu. So in Madina Munawwara, Bilal ibn Rabah became the official Mu'addin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He became the official Mu'addin. So he would call out the Adhan. Then there was a second Mu'addin, Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum. He was blind, visually impaired. So he was the second Mu'addin of Masjid Nabawi. Um, so two Sahaba, main one is who? Bilal ibn Rabah, main Mu'addin, from beginning to end, he gave all of the Adhan. And then second Mu'addin was Abdullah ibn Umar Maktoum. In case Bilal wasn't present, he went out with the Prophet There were times when the Prophet left Abdullah ibn Umar Maktoum, the Amir over Madinah Munawwara in the absence of himself. 
And also at Fajr time there was two adhans, like we have in Haramain now, like the Hajjud adhan. So there were two adhans. So they were, one would give one, the other would give the other. Um, so this is in Medina Munawwara. And then in Quba, there was a Mu'addin called Sa'ad uh, bin Qurad, radiyallahu anhu, was the Mu'addin of the Prophet in Medina Munawwara. So we spoke about Medina, we spoke about Quba. What have we not spoke about? Makkah. Now they're not in Makkah, are they? They're not in Makkah, they've left Makkah alone. And they're focusing on Medina Munawwara. There's Muslims there because later on, obviously, in the beginning there's no Muslims there, but later on, Later on, we know, once the Fath, the conquest of Mecca took place, Muslims were there, but the Prophet's focus was on in Medina Munawwara. Yeah, he'd go there for Umrah maybe, he went for the Hajj at the end, but overall, his focus is now in Medina Munawwara. So, there's a hadith reported by Imam al-Nasai, and it says regarding on the return from the expedition of Hunayn. So we're going fast forward into the Seerah now. We've not got there yet, but this is a story related to Adhan, very, very relevant. So fast forward, going to the uh, incident of Hunayn, there is a person by the name of Abu Mahdura. Abu Mahdura was a 16-year-old lad, 16-year-old young person from Makkah, non-Muslim, so one of the Mushrik. And he says there were 10 of his lads. We were just messing around. We were just mucking around, messing around on the streets. And at that time, the Prophet ﷺ was returning from Hunayn. Imagine they've been on an expedition, a battle, a whole campaign, right? And when you're coming back like this, what happens is you stop in various places. So they were camping out somewhere. So when the Sahaba had camped out, the Prophet ﷺ told the Sahabi, give the Adhan so we can do Salah. So the Sahabi is calling out the Adhan. So Abu Mahdura says, we were kids, 16-year-old kid, non-Muslim. Because all of a sudden we heard this sound. So I started, we started mimicking it. And we knew it was most Muslims. Okay, so out of anger and frustration and to mock them, when they were Mu'addin, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, she goes, I was trying as well, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, in funny voices. In funny voices, I was trying to copy the other and to take the mick out of it, out of anger, and just to give them a hard time. So, in a mocking way, we all started calling out the other as well. The Prophet ﷺ heard us mocking the Adhan. He heard it. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Now, I want you to see this. We're in Rabi al-Awwal. I want you to see and understand who your beloved messenger was. What was his approach? What kind of a person was he? How did he deal with people? The Prophet ﷺ, this, was, this wasn't a, a, an annoying teenager, a Muslim teenager that comes to the masjid and talking at the back. Is, no, this is a non-Muslim, an enemy at that time. They've just come from battle. They've got their weapons. This guy hates the Muslims. He's from the families of people who have attacked and killed and carried out many atrocities. So he's mocking the Adhan, not just him, all ten of them. They're all mocking the Adhan. The Prophet said, there's a beautiful voice coming from that direction. Can someone go and check it out what it is? There's some beautiful voices coming from there. So... Some of the Sahaba went and they figured us out, they caught us. We were there hiding behind the rocks. So, since that, they, 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 they bought us. And they bought us in front of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he says, I thought that's it. We're going we're gonna to be beheaded. We're going to be punished. We've been taking the mick out of the Adhan. And they've just come back from battle and they're going to just take revenge. 
So the Prophet ﷺ, he instructed each of us to line up and call the other one by one. So he says, what you were doing over there, do it here. So one by one, he says, I was last. So what the first person gave the other one, second one, whatever they knew, whatever they heard. So whatever you were doing over there, do it here. So whatever they remembered, they started doing it. One by one. He says, when my turn came, I called out the Adhan in the, in the way that I did. On hearing my Adhan, the Prophet called me forward. He goes, come here. And I thought, that's it. I've had it. And the Prophet made me sit right in front of him. So he goes, he made me sit right there. And the Prophet took his blessed hand. And he passed it over my forehead and on my chest. And he kept doing it and he said, Barakallahu lak wa baraka alayk. Barakallahu lak wa baraka alayk. Barakallahu. May Allah give you baraka. May Allah increase you in baraka. May Allah give you baraka. The Prophet is passing his hand over his heart and over his chest three times. He says, at that time, remember, he says, I hated the messenger. I hated Islam. I hated the Adam. Because when he was doing this, it was Iman filled my heart. Iman filled my heart. And then the Prophet taught me the words of Allah there and then. He said, stand up. And he goes, say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. I said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Now, the way he taught him was a bit different. This is what I want to mention. He told him to say, first he said, say, Say that quietly. Say it twice. Now say it loudly. Remember what he's doing. He's making him say the Shahadatayn, right? He's bringing him into the fold of Islam. So he says it two times quietly, and then he says it loudly. And then with Ashhadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah again, he says it quietly. Ashhadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Ashhadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And then he says it loudly. Ashhadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And then he teaches him the whole Adhan. And after teaching him the Adhan, then he teaches him the Iqamah. So Abu Mahdura says, the Prophet taught me to do the Iqamah in this way. This is a hadith which is from Abu Dawood, Imam Ahmad in his Muslim, Imam al-Nasai. He says, this is how the Prophet taught me how to do the Iqamah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Hayya ala salah, hayya ala salah. Hayya ala al-falah, hayya ala al-falah. Qad qamati al-salah, qad qamati al-salah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah. Who's saying this? Abu Mahdura. So Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdul Rabbi, he, he's taught Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Single. Abu Mahdura is saying this is how he told me the Adhan. The Prophet directly is teaching the Adhan and the Iqamah in this way. And then he was from Mecca. He says, now go from here. You are the Mu'addin of Masjid al-Haram. From that day until his death, he remained the Mu'addin of Masjid al-Haram in Mecca to Mukarram. Abu Mahdura radiallahu anhu. Look how he came. He came to mock the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And how the Prophet's compassion, his love, his desire for people to do good, he came for hope. He didn't put people in despair. He brought people closer. He didn't push them away. He built, he didn't destroy. Sadly, we as his followers are doing the total opposite. 
that we think it's all about dividing and, and, and who's writing. And, and, and look at, he wasn't even a Muslim and he was mocking. And look at his gentle approach in the way he bought him. So much so that he converted him. His heart melted. He says, there was nothing now more beloved to me than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he becomes the Mu'addin. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam even gifted him a small bag of silver coins. And it says Abu Mahdura for his rest of his life. He never cut the, the hair from the front of his head. Why? Because of the blessed touch of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Prophet, this is in hadith, authentic narration. The Prophet وسلم, passed his blessed hand over his head three times. It is from that day until he passed away. The front part of his hair, he always kept it long. Why? Because this, the blessed touch of the Prophet وسلم, was there. Thus, the adhan of Abu Mahdura is like this where you do something, it's called tarjih. Tarjih. Where the Mu'addin, you say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, then to yourself quietly you will say, and then you say it loudly. So this is the way of Abu Mahdura. Many things we can learn from this. The Prophet وسلم, himself taught Adhan and Iqamah to the Sahaba. Number two, both methods of Adhan and Iqamah are taught by the Prophet Reading it one time, reading it two times. Some people think, some people think that doing it one one time is more correct or more better. There's nothing like that. Both are from the Sunnah. This Masjid is Shafi'i Masjid. According to Imam Shafi'i, he took the opinion where you do it single time. That's why we do it like this over here. Sometimes the Hanafi might give the Iqama over here, but they might do it in the Shafi'i method. Again, which is from the Sunnah, because this is what's known and practiced over here. But one is not better than the other. Some people, especially some Hanafi people think that, oh, what other people do is better. No, be proud with what you've got, because that's also from the Sunnah. It's not wrong, it's not incorrect. Sometimes because we don't do it in one way, we think, oh, that must be a better way of doing it. No, this from the Sunnah, this is also from the Sunnah. I've given you both narrations where he's taught it like this and he's also taught it like this as well. So this is something to understand. And Abu Mahdura continued the double Adhan in Makkah. So think about this. Abu Mahdura is doing Adhan differently. He's doing it double. So he's reading Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah four times. Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah four times instead of two times. However, one thing very interesting, nobody criticized him. Nobody spoke against him. Rather, Abdullah ibn Muhayriz, another Sahabi, he said, I want to learn the Adhan. He taught him in the same way as the Prophet taught him. And the Tarjih is also a Sunnah. The Prophet taught him. So this is also a Sunnah method. We find in the narrations, and the Rasulullah uh, to Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdi Rabbihi, tis'ata ashara kalimatan. He taught Adhan to Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdi Rabbihi uh, based on uh, 19 words. Wal-iqama saba ashara kalimatan. And his iqama was 17 words. So this is how he taught Abdullah ibn Zayd ibn Abdi Rabbihi, whereas uh, Abu Mahdura's Adhan was 19 sentences. So there was a slight difference there. Then we have something in the Adhan uh, called Tathweeb. And Tathweeb is when we say Hayya ala salah and Hayya ala al-Falah. After Hayya ala salah and Hayya ala al-Falah to say As-Salatu Khayrun Min al -Nawm. This is in the Fajr Salah and this is again from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The story of this is once Sayyidina Bilal Radiyallahu Ta'ala calls out the Adhan of Fajr. 
after he called out the Adhan of Fajr, he goes to check on the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ was still asleep. Now he said, what should we do? You can't wake him up because you're not allowed to wake up a Nabi. If a Nabi is sleeping, you cannot wake him up. So Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu thought, what should I do? So he started saying, As-salatu khayrun minan naum. As-salatu khayrun minan naum. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Faj'al dhaliki fil adhan. Make this now part of the adhan of Fajr. So from that day onwards, in the adhan of Fajr, we have hayya ala salat hayya ala salat And then we say, As-salatu khayrun minan naum. As-salatu khayrun minan naum. And during the adhan, we know one of the practices from the sunnah is the turning of the face in hayya ala salah, hayya ala salah. But the narrations are very clear. The sunnah is only to turn the face, not the whole body. When you say hayya ala salah, we learn from the hadith that you don't turn the whole body, it's only turning of the neck. Turning of the hayya. So you turn towards the right and you say hayya ala salah. You turn towards the left, hayya ala salah. Like this, in this manner. Also, we have the hadith of Tirmidhi that mentions placing the index fingers in the ears at the time of Adhan. And there are two benefits of placing the fingers in the ears. Number one is it allows your voice to become louder. So when you call the Adhan by blocking your ears, your voice becomes louder. And the second benefit of it is it's a symbol of Adhan. If anybody sees somebody standing like this, you know the Adhan is being called, even if a deaf person was to come, even if a deaf person was to, who can't hear, he will, he will see and say, oh, Adhan is being called out. So it's inclusive of everybody, and everybody knows that the Adhan is being called. Now we're going to quickly conclude with some of the virtues of Adhan, very quickly. The Prophet says in the hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari, When the Adhan is called, Shaitan runs away. So much so that he passes wind and he runs away because he cannot bear hearing the words of Adhan. When the Adhan finishes, he comes back to disturb the people. When the Mu'addin starts to give the Iqamah, the Shaitan runs again. And when the Salah starts, he comes back to try and disturb the people. This hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari. Another hadith Sahih Muslim, إِذَا ثُوِّبَ لِلصَّلَاةِ فَلَا تَأْتُوهَا وَأَنْتُمْ تَسْعُونَ once the salah, iqama of the salah has been given, iqama has been given and the salah has started, you shouldn't run towards the salah. You shouldn't run towards the salah. Because sometimes we're late and we run. So if the, salah, if the salah hasn't started, you're allowed to run. But if the salah has started already, you're not allowed to run. Why? Because when you're coming to salah, it's as if you're already in salah. You don't need to run. Allah knows you're in salah already. And the hadith says, come with dignity. Running and rushing and making loud sounds is not a dignified manner. It is come with dignity. Walk with waqar, with waqar, with dignity. Hadith of Sahih Muslim, the Prophet sallallahu If the people knew how much reward there was in calling out the Adhan, and if they didn't have a choice but to fight over it, they would draw lots, meaning they would put names in the hand and let's see whose name comes out. This is how much reward there is in calling out the Adam. Hadith of Sahih Muslim, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Al-Mu'addinuna aqwal al-nasi da'anaqan yawm al-qiyamah. 
on the day of judgment, the Mu'addineen will be the one with the tallest neck. Their neck will be very tall. What does this mean? Scholars have given many meanings. I'm just going to share one or two. One of them will be, who has a tall neck in the world? Somebody who's not scared. Somebody who's not fearful. Somebody who is content. So on the day of judgment, everybody will be looking down. Mu'addineen, they'll be looking up. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them aman. Allah will give them security. Or it could mean that they will have a very tall neck so that everybody will know these are the people who would give the adhan in the dunya. The Prophet وسلم, he said on one occasion, he saw somebody and he says, do you know you, you like your sheep, don't you? You like your, your, your animals. You like to stay in the jungle alone. She said, When you are with your sheep, when you are in your farm, the Prophet starts telling somebody who lives alone in the farm, just with his animals. He says, you like that kind of lifestyle, don't you? He said, yes. The Prophet says, when you are in your farm with your animals and you're alone, and it's time for salah, make sure you must call out the adhan, even if you're alone. Call out the adhan and then do the ikala because wherever your voice goes, it will bear testimony for you on the day of judgment. Something for us to learn. Calling out the adhan collectively is fardun kifaya. It's a community responsibility. In a Muslim country, if a community decides we're not going to call out the adhan, we will fight them. We will fight them. We will take weapons and fight them to force them to give the adhan because they must give the adhan. But individually, it's sunnah. It's sunnah to give adhan, whether you're praying collectively in jama'ah, it's sunnah to give adhan, even if you're praying alone. So the best is to give adhan and iqam. But if you can't, at least you should give iqam. At least, even when you're praying alone. A lot of us pray alone. We end up praying alone on many occasions, don't we? But this is one missing sunnah that we miss out very easily, is giving the iqam. You're praying alone, you must have prayed one salah alone today, maybe. You didn't do all of them with jama'ah. So do the iqama first. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. You have to do it quietly to yourself. But you do the iqama before you start the salah. Don't miss out on these huge rewards and on this great sunnah. On one occasion, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made dua. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Allahumma adshidil a'imma waghfir lil mu'addineen. Oh Allah, guide the imams and grant forgiveness to the mu'addins. The number of narrations and virtues that have come for Adhan have not come for the Imam. For the Imam, Hadith Al-Imam Mudamin. The Imam has a huge responsibility on his head. And the other one is over here. Allahumma arshid al-a'imma, Allah guide the Imams. But when he came to the Mu'addin, there are so many virtues. I've only shared a few of them with you. Aqwalul nasi al-yawm al-qiyaman, all of these. And he says, Allahumma firlil mu'addineen. Some of the scholars have said, maghfira, maghfira, is better than rust. Meaning the Prophet وسلم, is saying that the maqam and the position of giving adhan is better than even leading the salah. It's better than even leading the salah. This is ikhtilaf amongst al-imna. That which is more preferable, being the imam or calling out the adhan. And based on some of these narrations, the hadith says, Man salah, Whoever calls out the adhan for 12 years, jannah becomes wajib for that person. And for every adhan you get 60 rewards. And for every iqama you get 30 rewards.
Sheikh Albani had a rant when he was talking about this. He said, the problem is in our days, one of the things is because there are so many virtues of Adhan, why is it that the ulama don't give Adhan? If anybody knew these virtues, it would have been the ulama. So he was just having a rant at that time. That there are so many virtues, people want to, he's, he's saying that people want to go into the musalla and sing off their melodious tunes, but the adhan has many more fadail and virtues. This is just the rant that he had. As far as your sound reaches when you give the adhan, your forgiveness spreads as far as your sound goes. And whoever prays with you, you'll get the reward of every single person. If you call the adhan, however many people come, you'll get the reward of their salah as well. In the shaitan, hadith of Sahih Muslim. When the Adhan is called, Shaitan goes to a place called Rauha. And the commentators say Rauha was 36 miles from Medina. This is how far Shaitan runs when he hears the Adhan. And when a person is alone, the hadith mentions Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala becomes so happy with a person. He's talking about a shepherd. There's a shepherd. He's alone with his sheep in some jungle. And when the time for Salah comes, he calls the Adhan and he gives the Iqamah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look at my slave. He's giving adhan, he's giving iqamah, he's praying salah because he fears me. I have forgiven him and I've entered him into paradise. And in conclusion, not everybody can give the adhan. Not everyone can give the adhan. So the Prophet said, only one, even now one person will give the Adhan. Now everyone's going to fight to give the Adhan. But only one person can give the Adhan. Is our deen in a way where it's only, it's going to discriminate against you just because you didn't get chosen? No, our deen is very inclusive. It's very comprehensive. Even though only one person will give the Adhan, the Prophet said, when the Mu'addin gives the Adhan, you repeat what the Mu'addin is saying, then you will also get the same reward as the Mu'addin. You will also, when the Mu'addin says, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, you repeat Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. The only difference is when he says, Hayya ala salah, you will say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Hayya ala al-falah, you will say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And when the Adhan finishes, there are five similar practices on the end of Adhan. Number one, repeat the words of the Mu'addin. That's the first sunnah. Repeat the words of the Mu'addin. Number two, the second sunnah after Adhan is when the Adhan finishes, uh, recite Durud Sharif. Salat ala nabi it's in the hadith. Salli ala nabi So you read any type of Durud. Number three, read the dua after Adhan. Allahumma rabba hadi da'wati tamma wa salati al-qa'imah. Aati Muhammadin al-wasilat wal-fadila. Wa ba'athu maqaman mahmudin al-lidhi wa'adda. And in one narration, innaka la tuflifu al-mi'ad. If you say this, the Prophet wajabat lahu shafa'ati yawm al-qiyamah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will intercede for you on the day of judgment. How many is that? Three. Number four. The hadith mentions whoever says after the Adhan, Raditu billahi rabda, wa bil islami deena, wa bi muhammadin rasoolan wa nabiyya. All your sins will be forgiven. And number four, you make dua for yourself. You don't need to raise your hands, you make dua for yourself. Because the hadith mentions between every adhan and iqama, duas are accepted. Between every single adhan and iqama, a dua is accepted. Dua bayna al-adhan wal-iqama la yurad. 
dua made between Adam and Iqama is not rejected. When the Adhan finishes, ask Allah for anything, Allah will give it to you. It's a time of tubuliyah and acceptance of dua. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.